we got very deep there. I apologize. Uh, Momo, say something funny. <laughs> I'm not the funny one. You're the funny one. Really? Yeah, I'm. I'm the sarcastic, grumpy one. Okay, that's that's fair. Welcome back to Melissa Guys, a bi-weekly podcast about BBC's Merlin, where we talk about the show, the ships, the fandom, and the characters. My name is Momotastic. And I'm Miss Snowfox. And today we are back for you with another fanfiction-specific episode. We are going to talk about crossover and fusion fix. And for that, we have a returning guest, who is Marky. Hi. Woohoo! <laughs> and a complete new guest, Hello Hanson. Hi! Awesome. We're really happy to have you guys on. We will hear more about Hansen in a few minutes. But first, let's hear some news. After Kamlan Big Bang is looking for an artist to pinch it, please contact the mods if you're interested to help out. Kinkalot is the new Pornalot, is the new Summer Pornathon. Unfortunately for you, sign-up period is already over, but that won't stop you from enjoying all of the smutty goodness that will come out of this challenge. The first challenge has already been announced, and it's all about watching and being watched. The Murtha Touch Fest is still going, and is about halfway through. The fest is all about touch starvation and how to combat it. Any and all fanworks are welcome, as long as they are Murtha-centric. Camelot Remix has revealed remixers. If you haven't checked it yet, go and find out now who remixed your work or who was the remixer of that thing you really liked. And finally, an announcement for a new fest in October. It's called the Merry Merthyr Month, Mary with an A. And as you might have guessed, it's all about getting Merlin and Arthur married. As long as your fanbook is related to marriage or weddings in some way, from the proposal to the wedding night and honeymoon, Please participate. Any and all mediums are welcome. There's an AO3 collection as well as a live journal community, but of course you can also post to Tumblr. Alright, and that has been it for news. So let's hear some talkbacks. And we have one from Amphigori on our female villains of season one episode in which we were talking about the difference between villains and anti-heroes i believe or antagonists. antagonists thank you villains and antagonists and we were talking about how uther would fit into either category and amphigori said regarding uther the best villains think they are the hero of the story yeah discuss I mean, Emph didn't say it, discuss. Emph ended that statement with LOL, exclamation point. But what <laughs> I'm with that yeah. is basically discuss. <laughs> I mean, I I guess when it comes to Uther, I, I actually feel like his journey is a little different because I don't think Uther considers himself a hero. I think he feels, I think he definitely feels a burden based on what he felt he had to do. 
And I don't think he feels kind of heroic or triumphant. In fact, you know, he constantly lives in fear and paranoia because he definitely hasn't stamped out the threat that he thinks is posed against Camelot. Someone like Morgana, I would absolutely agree. She she definitely feels like she's, you know, a hero and that she's doing the right thing. I think Uther kind of, in my opinion, feels like he did what he had to do. It was logical, like, oh, these people are evil. I have to have to get rid of them. But I think he actually just wants to be left in peace i don't think he's like i don't think he wants to go out and have people attack him and like like cause a huge amount of issues like like we said we even notice that he's kind of left the druids in peace until he realizes that they might have more going he's like i knew i should have gotten rid of them (laughs) and it's like well he doesn't really do any like he's sort of like a wasp or like a bee like he doesn't really do anything until you fuck with him like don't fuck with the bees don't fuck with the wasps they'll probably leave you alone unless yeah. you fuck with them so that's kind of what he's like you know you do magic in my kingdom but you get also, fucked with like he doesn't he doesn't get out of his way to get rid of magic altogether if it's under his nose yeah but he doesn't go looking for it explicitly. Yeah. He says he does, yeah. but then he's lazy. I think, we, I think yeah. we talked about this, how in season two, he's like, oh, we must we must get back on this magic hunting business. And then he does nothing for several episodes until someone points out, hey, I saw a horse formed out of smoke on the hill, so maybe there is some magic around Camelot. <laughs> I should have known. <laughs> and I think that's what actually doesn't make Uther a villain in Merlin, because even though he actually obviously creates dangerous situations for our protagonist, he's actually not a very proactive character. And I think a villain has to be proactive. Like he is there as a constant underlying threat because of his beliefs, but he doesn't actually ever pose a direct threat to Merlin as long as Merlin keeps his secret whereas someone like Morgana in season three is going out of her way in every episode to harm others that's the difference awesome archaeologist D also left us a comment on this episode and she said Mary Collins wasn't the only one that had the transportation spell. Morgos did too when Merlin poisoned Morgana. I completely forgot about <laughs> Me too. Fake Wait. fan! Fake fan. <laughs> it just makes me angrier that Merlin never learned how to do that. Maybe he felt he was too good for it. He's like, no, I'm going <laughs> to do things the old-fashioned way. Run and it. walk everywhere. <laughs> Merlin's a hipster, that's just it. Yeah, that's I accept this theory. <laughs> yeah, he's just ironically walking everywhere. <laughs> well, he needs. Well, he's incognito. Maybe he's like, if I learn this spell, I'll I'll just start using it all the time, and then just get caught eventually and die. So you know what just makes like, me angry about that? That the two days trip to Avalon was like, yeah. if he had that spell. In his luggage of spells. Let's make one thing very clear. (laughs) That Merlin didn't need a transportation spell to get him to Avalon. Because Merlin is a dragon lord. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I didn't want to bring it up. (laughs) (laughs) It's Marky's fault. (laughs) Thank you. Fine, fine. 
Archdee goes on to say, As for the whole Nimue discussion, you are assuming that Uther really did love Igraine a lot, but he had an affair while she was still alive. Plus, often after someone dies and the person left behind feels like it's their fault, they make the one dying into a saint and talk themselves into thinking they love that person more than they did. I wouldn't have put it past Uther to feel guilty that he didn't love her more and turn his hatred on Nimue. However, that being said, I don't think he deliberately chose Igraine to die just so he could have a son. He probably thought he could control the outcome. I mean, look, I completely get what she's trying to say, that especially after someone dies, your feelings about them can change. And this is why I think flashbacks would have been really nice, so we could have a bit more context. But I just feel like when we see the performance that Anthony gave whenever he kind of you know, talks about a grain or, you know, we have it in Excalibur and then we have it later on in Sins of the Father. Like, we don't really get him talking about her that often. But when we do, I feel like he really loved her. And obviously, like, we don't have proof of that. But I think there's just, you know, you have to go off performance somehow. And yeah, that could be time passing and everything. But I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just feel like he... I feel from his performance that 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 she was very dear to him, but I don't know if anyone else. Disagree. I I could I could propose a headcanon yes. for why he cheated on Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Was presumably cheated on Ukraine. Okay, so what if you know when they were trying to conceive a baby, and they were realizing well it's not working, they figured one way to test it, which one of them is you know quote unquote at fault for it is if Uther tried to get someone else pregnant, and because Uther, Igraine, and Golois, and Vivian, I yeah. think her name was, yeah. uh, were all good friends, uh, you know, they talked to her and they were like, okay, so Uther is gonna sleep with Vivian, and if she gets pregnant from that, then at least we know that Uther is fertile, and that there's, that there's a problem with Igraine. So mm. everyone agreed to Uther sleeping with Vivienne, and then they also agreed that Morgana, the, the resulting child, would not know that Uther is her biological father because, mm. you know, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. You know? Yeah. I mean, I just realized something. Do we know that this affair, well, obviously it's still an affair because Vivienne was uh, married to Golois, but do we know that this affair happened while Igraine was still alive? I think there is a. I know in, that he says in that season... her mother grew lonely. That like Morgana's mother grew lonely while Golois was away. But I don't. Does he ever mention Igraine in that sentence? No, I don't think he does. I mean, that's again. We don't know how old any of these characters are, so we don't know if Morgana is supposed to be older than Arthur or younger yeah. than Arthur or roughly the same age. So, I think the most accepted headcanon in fandom is that Morgana is actually older than Arthur by a year or so and that's why she thinks that she has a claim to the throne because she is next in line but we have absolutely zero proof for that in canon that's the only reason I can see why Morgos even gets the idea that Morgana is the one who should well, be queen of Camelot my, my interpretation of the word claim doesn't necessarily mean first in line like Prince Harry has a claim 
to the throne because he is in line if he killed everyone that was, you know, <laughs> next in line apart from him. But so, and especially like in medieval times, like, you know, you would use that, you know, so-and-so has a claim to the throne and realistically, yeah, bloodline mattered, but it was also about who had the biggest guns, you know? So it was like, well, I have <laughs> yeah. a claim because of this cousin and this cousin and this cousin. That's literally how the Wars of the Roses started. I think what more guys are saying is that you, you have a claim because you are a direct bloodline to Uther Pendragon. So when you kill off, <laughs> you can ah. then take mm, okay. your head. I mean, that's I've never, kind of what I think. I've never thought about it this way. That makes sense though. Um, yeah. But I think it makes much more sense in my head that Uther had the affair with Vivienne when Egraine was already dead. But I haven't rewatched The Crystal Cave in a very long time. And it would make a bit more sense, you know, that he did that after she died because maybe he was also feeling lonely. However, I do want to just make one thing very clear about this. I mean, I'm not saying that this is what Archd is trying to say, but I find it a little bit not problematic, but annoying when people kind of say so-and-so cheated on their spouse and therefore they never loved them because people cheat for many different reasons and like life is complicated and people can still be in love with people if they cheat on them with someone else. And also in this time period, it was just very like the dynamics between men and women were just so different. Like men weren't expected to be faithful to their wives. Like, it just wasn't a thing like having a mistress was a completely normal thing and it was kind of expected and most marriages even if they were in love with one another they weren't really like this deep monogamous kind of connection that we think of today so I just think that holding people to those kinds of standards as what we're used to now is just not that helpful in my opinion but also yeah I don't think it's you know, kind of wrong to say that Igraine, that Uther loved Igraine and he also made a mistake. Or maybe he also had feelings for Vivienne. Like, we don't know what happened. But, yeah. You know, it's just complicated. Yeah. By the way, I just looked up in the transcript for the Crystal yes. Cave what Uther actually says in that scene. And it's literally just, uh, he, Gorlois, was fighting on the northern plains. Her mother, Vivienne, grew lonely. And then Gaia says, I understand, sire. And Uther says, I've said enough. The people must never know who Morgana really is, for Arthur's sake. So, even even Uther says, they must know, they must never know who Morgana really is, for Arthur's sake. So, Uther is like, if, if the people knew that Morgana is my natural daughter, then, you know, it would put Arthur in a compromising position. Mm. It, they could have like so split I, in loyalties or something, yeah. Maybe mm. so, but yeah, that is all he says. It doesn't mention when this happened, you know, where Igraine was and all of this. I, I think it, we can assume that Igraine might have been dead already at this point. Yeah. So that would make Morgana younger than Arthur at the very. From least. a character perspective, from what we know about Uther, it makes more sense to me that he would have you know sought out some kind of comfort rightly or wrongly after a grain died rather than while they were trying for a baby <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't seem like in like i mean from from what we know of his character the first time he ever gets close to falling in love is when arthur is already well into his 20s which is with lady katrina and it's not until she 
actually physically enchants him that he even agrees to be in a relationship with her because he keeps pulling away because of his you know he's not ready even after all these years so it's like really that that to me doesn't really seem like someone that kind of wasn't really that into his wife but again i completely do agree with archd's kind of line of thinking that yes this can happen and you can kind of make someone that died into a saint and then take that kind of burden onto yourself and i do still think he feels guilty i just don't think he feels guilty because he didn't love her and he cheated on her and then she died i just think it's a it's a different set of reasons but i do like your thinking diane i think it's very interesting yes and finally diane says as for nimue i would have loved her living throughout the whole series and even having her and morgana at odds as a subplot i loved her as a character and wrote a couple of stories with her as the villain she was fantastic to write for Ooh, yeah i think that's what we said we just wish she would have had more to do <laughs> yeah Alas. Uh, so, as you heard, guys, with the talkbacks, we basically do them from our website. So if you would like to leave us some feedback and be featured on the podcast like what you just heard, you need to do so at melissa.paracaproductions.com. You can just type Melissa into Google, though. That's absolutely fine. And then we'll most likely react to your comment on the podcast if we don't then it's probably just because it's a topic we've covered to death before but if you really want us to discuss it just tell us and we'll absolutely do it um we also have various other channels that you can talk to us on and we won't respond like on air but we'll respond to you uh on that channel in private so that will be tumblr where we're melissa and you can reblog our episode posts or direct message us or send us an ask or anything like that and we'll respond we're Melissa on Twitter, where you can respond to our tweets or retweet us or direct message us, and we'll respond there as well. We also have an email address, which isn't written down today, so I don't remember. <laughs> it's melissa.podcast at gmail.com. That's the one. And you can email us, and we'll respond with a nice detailed email back. Um, we also are on iTunes where you can leave us a star rating and a review. That would be absolutely awesome because iTunes is obviously very, very popular and well known. So if you want to go over and leave us like a rating, that would be really cool. And then if you just want to chat to us about the podcast and be or, you know, ask to be a guest or just react to episodes, we have a Discord server and that is also Merlisa. You can get the link from Momo or myself or it's on our Tumblr. But if we want to just kind of chat to people that have been on the podcast or people that listen to the podcast, that's probably the best place for you to do it. So yeah, go and comment away. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for going through the entire list. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Now for fandom history. We have a new guest today, and it is Hansen, so obviously we want to know everything about you. How did you get into Merlin? When did you get into Merlin? Do you do anything in fandom? If yes, what do you do in fandom? And also, where can people find you if you want more followers on your social media? Okay, so I got into Merlin like three years ago because I was looking at like gener generic um, content on the internet. I think I was looking at like the Sherlock tag on Tumblr and I kept seeing like thing like 
blonde and dark haired things and they kept talking about Merther. And I was like, okay, this keeps popping up. I kind of want to know what it is now. <laughs> and I started watching Merlin like that. <laughs> yeah, it's and, always the blonde and the dark haired one. But what were the other questions? <laughs> <laughs> I think they were. Uh, are you are you like are you active in fandom in some way? And if yes, what is it you do? Okay, I am not publicly. I write things. Nobody looks at them. Maybe one day I will pub- publish them. We'll see. I don't know. You should publish them. <laughs> you should always publish them. <laughs> yeah. You can publish we'll them see. under another name if you don't want them associated with your main name. Yeah, but, but I you might should publish do. them. Yeah. Like, as soon as I, like, my sister betas for me, so we'll see what she, we'll see if she's, like, approves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, if people want to find me, I'm at impulsive-thoughts, thoughts spelled T-H-O-T-S. Yes. <laughs> Love it. So, yeah. Yeah. That's on Tumblr. <laughs> That's on Tumblr for anyone who doesn't realize. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you're also in our Marlison Discord server, so if people want to join that, they can also talk to you there. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Now it is time for Rox and me to have a heated discussion. <laughs> I mean I don't I don't think it's gonna be <laughs> I say Marky, that every Marky time. is immediately having like war flashbacks. <laughs> every time though and it's just is that because every time we have a discussion <laughs> i quite like it though that it's kind of become a tradition that we don't just kind of go yeah crossovers or yeah modern au we're like no what does it mean like existentially <laughs> yes, what does this and we all <laughs> but we always realize that we take for granted that no one actually knows what these things actually mean <laughs> like we all just take for granted oh yeah canon no 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 what kind of canon? And we don't realize until What we... is canon? Well... When does it stop being canon? <laughs> How canon is canon? Is it oh. pure canon or impure canon? <laughs> is it a pure AU or a different AU? Oh well, I mean, the first thing I guess, yeah, that we have to do is to give definitions of what is a crossover and what is a fusion. And yes. um, yeah, I, I know that you're going to read some definitions in a second. But what I find quite interesting is that when I was going to look for fix on AO3 and I was looking under the crossover tag, at least according to the descriptions, the descriptions led me to believe that they were the opposite of what they're categorized as on fan law but i'll let you do that and then we can and then we can talk about it so yeah i mean that probably as per usual comes down to tagging Mm -hmm. all right so crossover a crossover is when two or more fandoms cross over into each other which means that characters from either fandom can meet or coexist so for example Merlin shows up in Hogwarts or is some like is helping founding Hogwarts, but Harry Potter's story still happens as it was written by J.K. Rowling, even though sometimes we wish it hadn't been. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry, I didn't realize there were so many palm trees around here because all I see is shade, shade, shade. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for example, with the like just taking one of these Merlin and Hogwarts things, there's this uh, story 
So, Modern Emrys, here's your holiday by Crazy About Remy. There's also a sequel for that one, which is set during a Triwizard Tournament. Not the same Triwizard Tournament as the one that Harry was part of, but like one at another point in time. And in this story, Merlin and Arthur, who were happily living the afterlife in Avalon, <laughs> waiting to be returned to the Earth for a big emergency or something, were put on Earth as human people, as human wizards in Hogwarts. And Merlin is like, why is this a holiday? It was nice in Avalon. Why do I have to be alive now? <laughs> but then he gets to spend all his time with Arthur, so that's why it's a holiday for him. Right. So, But yeah, but the, the events of the actual Harry Potter series still take place just at a different point in time than this story. But it, like Merlin isn't... Merlin isn't replacing Harry, you know. They mm-hmm. they could theoretically meet Merlin and the other Harry Potter characters yeah, 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 who yeah. were alive at this time. So that's a crossover. If like one set of characters are put into another uh, show or book or whatever, and they could theoretically meet. You see this a lot with TV shows. Like um, we were talking, I think last episode when we were talking about Katie. You know, with Supergirl, Supergirl is part of the so-called, Rocks Enlightened Me, so-called Flarrowverse. So it's Flash, Arrow, Supergirl. Well, that's what it used to be called when it was just Flash and Arrow. But now I guess it would be the Super Legends Flarrowverse. Oh, God. Terrible. (laughs) Terrible. So that's several things. And then you have crossover episodes between... Well, Supergirl and The Flash, for example, where, like, the characters from either show's meet in an episode of like the flash comes over into an episode of supergirl and then supergirl goes over into an episode of the flash and their respective stories still play out as we are used to them but they sort of visit each other you know and uh talk to each other they don't replace each other in their respective universes so that's a crossover if characters from different universes meet in one universe and then we have fusion which is a subsection of crossovers. And a fusion is when you take the characters of one fandom and put them in the setting of another fandom, or show, book, you know, what I mean. So the second fandom's protagonists don't exist, or at least don't exist in their original role. For example, I mean, any kind of fusion where Merlin characters play out the plot of a movie I remember, for example, Arthur Pendragon and the quest with a capital Q, which is like a Monty Python fusion where Arthur, you know, goes on the quest for the Holy Grail and then meets the beast in the cave, which is just a rabbit, but a very murderous rabbit. And he also meets all the other challenges that the that Monty Python's characters would have met in the movie. But in this version, it's Arthur who meets them. And there's also, from a couple of years ago, that I remember, for example, this fic, The King of Mars, by Ivali, Lee, which is basically the movie or book The Martian, but with Merlin characters. So, that's a fusion, basically. And it's... I think it's possible that, you know, you have original characters uh, from... Let's take The Martian. If you have, like, characters who show up in The Martian that also show up in your fusion fig, 
but these will be side characters or they were pushed to the side. So I forgot what the what the name of the main character in The Martian is. But let's say he isn't the one who gets left behind on Mars. He is maybe an advisor from Earth or something. You know, so he could be still in this in this fusion. He just wouldn't have the role that he that he originally had if this were his yeah. own story. Mm-hmm. Because his part was recast with Arthur. So that's a fusion. So yeah, it makes sense that on AO3 as well, I mean, I haven't checked this, but it makes sense that fusions are a subtag of crossover. Because yeah. fusions are crossovers, they're just a different type of crossovers. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Although I think it depends because, for example, like I was, um, like in my research, I was looking at this. Uh, it's actually quite like there were so many that came up that were really old that were like on LJ, and it just oh, it took me back. I was like, ah, this is insane. Um, but one of them was an Ella Enchanted crossover slash fusion. I don't even know what you call it. Um, but for example, it was definitely Ella Enchanted, but it was all the Merlin character, so it was a fusion. But it was set in Camelot, like. It was the plot. I mean, but it wasn't even like the whole plot. It was kind of, yeah, made for its own sort of thing. So it was, I think it was set in Camelot with the Merlin characters, but with the same lore and with the same kind of thing. So in a way that that has no business really being a sub tag of crossover because it doesn't take place in Frell, like in the world of Ella Enchanted where she lives. It's just taking that kid fantasy kind of lore and placing it on the Merlin fandom like so I would still count that as a fusion to be honest yeah but I'm but like you're saying it makes sense that it's like a sub tag of crossover because they are a crossover just of a different kind but crossovers like the crossover would really have to take place in the world of the crossover fandom no well then how are they going to meet well the crossover could also be for example if characters from another fandom came uh, from another show came into yours, so there are ah, crossovers. Ah, Merlin, right? Yeah, yeah. so it's a like crossover is. I have this in my Rex later on, where like uh, the Doctor shows up in Camelot. I see, I see, you I, know, see I see. So that's also a crossover. Yeah. Something else crosses over into yours. Like if if I watch an episode of Supergirl and the Flash shows up, then it's still. A crossover because the Flash, yeah, yeah. who is not originally part of the Supergirl verse, shows up in Supergirl. Yeah, you know no, that's, that's still true, a crossover episode. So yeah, yeah. So do our guests have anything <laughs> to say? <laughs> I mean, there's nothing else to add. Yeah, I think the only thing that confused because I like I was talking to Momo about this earlier in the week because I was a bit like I don't know what like I don't understand what the difference is like I don't I don't really know, and then you gave me the these definitions and I was like oh like like somewhere in my gut I expected it to be the opposite because when I think of the word fusion I think of two things literally fusing together which means everything which means characters which means law which means setting so both sets of characters being in the same fused story and then crossover I think of one character crossing over to a different fandom not necessarily fusing just taking it and putting it in a different fandom and you were like yeah like you know that sort of makes sense but it's i think it's one of those things where in my head i 
I always have to try and remind myself which one is which because I can make a case for both of them meaning the same thing. And I'm like, I don't remember which one it is now. So I just use the word crossover, I think, for everything. And just uh, I just figure it covers all base. In, yeah, indiscriminate, <laughs> just cross over everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think like what I said, it's probably the best way to remember if you are a TV show person, for example. <laughs> and like, I think if I'm quite honest, I guess this kind of sort of leads us into this kind of discussion. But I mean, what 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 do you guys prefer then? Because I know for a fact that if I had to choose one or the other, I prefer fusions. I'm not a big fan of crossovers because even though I might like the idea of like the law of a certain kind of place or a certain kind of story, I don't necessarily care about seeing the characters from that fandom, especially if it's a fandom that I'm not really a part of. But I might be like, oh, what if Merlin and Arthur were sherlock and john like that's kind of cool or what if merlin and arthur were in ella enchanted like that's cool to me but i don't necessarily want like weird cameos of like anne hathaway popping up and being like hey but um i mean in my opinion though they've uh, i'm gonna say something a bit controversial here that's I do. you you never do that yeah <laughs> i th- and like okay from my experience and maybe it's just the Merlin fandom because I have read quite a lot of crossovers in the Glee fandom but they were actually really good I don't think that crossovers are a genre or or fusions that people get right most of the time like a lot of the ones I was coming across that I was like wanting to wreck because I was like oh I love this movie I love this book I want to like read this crossover and I got like a hundred words in and I was like nope it was just awful because what people end up doing is they just are rewriting the exact like they are just rewriting the plot of whatever movie they're putting these characters into but just changing out the names and that might be profitable for some we're not naming names but the lion king 2019 knows who it is and so (laughs) like i just i'm bored completely bored while reading it and oftentimes it's like the person writing it hasn't really like thought about a story they want to tell they just want to tell this exact film but with these characters so they're not being that creative in the way they're writing it either and to find a good one it's such a treat when you do but to find a good one is just like oh it's so exhausting i don't know if you guys have had that experience so so i'm curious to know what you think i mean i've noticed that because the thing about crossover is that it's entirely wish fulfillment which is fun yeah but also people are going to write their exact thing and sometimes you're like "Mm, maybe i'm not as into that and it's hard to find something that's both like in my like my i mean personally my idea of like well written enough to like not pull me out of the story and then also has things that i like want to have to see happening you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think that's really interesting because that like i don't want to discuss it too much here because i'm like it's i'm gonna have to wreck it later because like i just like I said, I tried to find stuff to wreck and there was just nothing that I really liked. Like I found one new thing, but two weeks notice, which is obviously what well, I guess you'd call it a, fu- a fusion then, wouldn't you? Because it's yes. just two weeks notice with Merlin and Arthur. But I actually watched the movie um, not long after. I mean, like maybe like a year after I read the fit because I'd never seen the film. Um, and I was really pleasantly surprised because 
what I think of fusion there are things I think a fusion has to do. You have to have the plot be recognizable or the law be recognizable so that you're like, yes, this is based on two weeks notice, the movie. The characters, however, you have to pick them right. You have to pick the right characters to substitute the right characters. Otherwise, it's just not going to feel right. You can't just substitute them based on, well, these two people were together, so we're just going to do that. Like That won't always work. But they have to not only have traits of the original characters, but you have to make them feel authentic too. Merlin, Arthur, Lancelot, Gwen, Morgana. Otherwise, again, it's just going to feel like you're copying it, which is very difficult. But not only that, you have to write completely original dialogue unless it's some kind of um, very, very famous line that is really kind of intrinsic to the plot that you kind of feel like you want to have in there, like an Easter egg, but it really should be an Easter egg. The dialogue has to be original and it has to be authentic, not to the movie counterparts, but to the show, like the actual people that you're writing about counterparts of the characters. Again, Otherwise, it's just going to feel stilted. And then you still have to make references to the original canon of your fandom characters. So in two weeks notice, you have, you know, the really cool thing about when Merlin and Arthur meet. Merlin pushes him out of the way of an oncoming bus. In the show, he pulls him out of the way of an oncoming knife or uh, Arthur's phone being called Excalibur and Merlin throwing it into the lake when Arthur keeps like answering it too often and how the phone was one of a kind and it hadn't been released to the market yet. Or Merlin making Arthur eat tofu and making him think it's meat, you know, like with the rat stew. And those moments are obviously so recognizable to Merlin fandom, but it's still two weeks notice like in the movie i think sandra bullock is um trying to advocate for people not built yeah like she's still advocating for people not building on land but i i don't think it's for animals i think it's for something else i actually can't remember i'll be quite honest with you and i think one of the only lines that they kept from the film was oh greta i think there's a pain in my ass when arthur's getting a massage and that happens in the movie and i was like do you know what that was quite a cool line to keep in there um but it's really difficult and I don't envy the the job of people that have to write these things or, you know, they choose to write them. It's really difficult. And Momo, I haven't read any of yours. I do apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, I have a weird thing. So I, like, I can't. It's just, yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't do it. But, um, it's, I'm sure that you didn't do any of these things. If you actually, did. I did. I, actually, I did. Um, mm-hmm. I did. With some of my earlier fusions, I definitely did do that. But I want to say that all of them, even though parts of them are very close to the movie that I was fusing with, mm-hmm. the the plot themselves are different enough to be their own story. So, for yeah. example, I wrote a Christmas fic based on the movie The Holiday. For anyone who doesn't know, The Holiday is a amazing movie with amazing movie <laughs> with <laughs> Kate Winslet, Cameron Diaz, Jack Black, and Jude Law, in which Kate Winslet, Kate Winslet, and Cameron Diaz decide to switch houses for the Christmas holidays. So then Kate Winslet gets to meet Jack Black in Hollywood, and Cameron Diaz gets to meet Jude Law in London. And it's all romance and it's very fun. And anyway, it's a great movie. Go watch it. Like, it's fine if you pause and listen to go watch that movie. I will not be offended. If you haven't seen it by now, I'm just a bit like, 
how. Why? <laughs> yeah. Why? So I I wrote a a Merthyr Christmas fic based on that, and some of the scenes in that are similar. But so Arthur grew up in the U.S. because Uther in the story Uther moved to the U.S. after Igraine died because he couldn't be around where he used to be anymore. And so Arthur grew up in the U.S. And then around Christmas time, he decides to go back to London to basically look for his roots, just find people who knew his mother, just so he finds out more about his mother, because Uther wouldn't tell him anything, much like on the show. Meanwhile, Merlin... No, sorry, Merlin is Merlin is Jude Law in this, in this story. So Arthur meets Merlin in London or in a little town by London. And the one he switches places with is actually Gwen. So Gwen goes to the US to live in Arthur's house. And there she meets Leon, who takes the place of Jack Black in in this fusion. And uh, she and Uther... Basically, Uther replaces <laughs> Arthur <laughs> from the movie. <laughs> The, the old neighbor, except that, you know, Uther is much crankier than the old neighbor in the movie is. And so, and, and Uther is also a little bit racist at, at start and also a little bit sexist. And then Gwen is basically like not having any of it. And they, they sort of become friends by the end of it. And then yeah. also Gwen and Leon get together. But yeah, so I, you know, I gave it my own twists with like, why Arthur wanted to go to Britain. But there are scenes in that story that are very similar to what happens in the movie, mainly because at some times I was a bit struggling with how to move forward. So I just mm. basically rewatched yeah. the movie about a million times and then just, you know, just went with what was in the movie just to help myself along a little bit. And, like, I think when they're iconic scenes, or like you said, scenes that just really are important for the plot... You know, you can absolutely do that, but I'm sure you didn't necessarily, like, write the dialogue, like, cardboard cut out and have them do the exact same thing. Like, I'm sure you probably put your own spin on it. I haven't read it, so I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I mean, some, some dialogue is similar, I will admit, but it's still, you know, to to cover the the thing I was actually writing. It's not word for word the exact dialogue, because I also find that boring when I read fusions where the dialogue is exactly the same the entire time it's just like i could just be watching the movie now i don't know i've got some kind of mixed feelings about what rock said because i come across crossovers and fusions before i actually consumed the content they're inspired by so i have a different approach to them and also i quite i kind of quite like uh, reading something that was originally visual. For example, I have uh, watched Billy Elliot before reading the um, movie adaptation on paper because there is a book for it. And the feelings you get from reading a written adaptation and the feelings you get from a visual um, product is completely different in, in my head, uh, at least. Um, and I wanted to bring um, an example for this. Um, I have never read Stardust by Neil Gaiman, mm. but I have watched the movie countless times. Mm-hmm. And there is um, a fic uh, that is a fusion for it, and it's hosted on Live Journal, and it's called All the Way to the Western Isles, 
which is very close to the script. But if I am in the mood for reading something and I want to watch the film and it's been a long time since I've watched it, I'm going to read something that is inspired by that. And I wouldn't care if the script and the, the fake are closed because there are some things that you can't really um, express visually, but you can express better when you write them. That is fair. That is fair. When I watched Call Me By Your Name and... I was about to mention Call Me By Your Name. (laughs) Literally. In my my head, they should be... uh, You should first read the book and then watch the movie. And it wouldn't... The the experience... Both experiences wouldn't uh, spoil the other in my head. Um, I... Because there are some things that you can pick up from the movie uh, if you've read the book. But there are also some things that are different in the movie. And so, I mean, the two things don't spoil each other. I don't know if I got myself explained enough. No, I completely agree. And, and like, it, like, it's so amazing that you just mentioned Call Me By Your Name, because as you were talking, I was like, oh, this is kind of how I felt with Call Me By Your Name, because I was planning on watching the movie. And so I listened. I actually listened to it on audiobook, which is a very strange experience because it was read by Army Hammer, who plays the opposing character <laughs> movie to the point of view it's kind of funny um and it was one of the most um like visceral reading experiences of my entire life like I feel like words were created for books like this it is so psychological and so in the first person but like 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 violently in the first person like you really really feel everything that is going on to this character and then the movie even though like he did a like Luca did a beautiful job with what he was trying to achieve and I adore the film but I did feel sorry for people that haven't read the book but have seen the movie because I was like there are things when you read them on paper or you listen to them being spoken to you you cannot you cannot express that in the same way. And they really, yeah, like you said, Marky, they kind of feel like they should be like a marriage, you know, that you should, you should have to do both. You can't just have one or the other. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say, that if something is inspired by a visual product and the, there are the same uh, lines of dialogue, the, the story of the fic is very, very close to the script. I wouldn't mind it because the two things are different. That was, what was I was trying to yeah. say that yeah. I mean I wouldn't care if it's too close to the script because they're two completely different feelings I suppose the question then is whether the person writing the fit and again I, like I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to make this personal I'm just trying to get my point across is that like if the person writing the fic is good and is a good writer yeah knows what they're Maybe doing that. then they will make you feel those feelings so that you're like yeah I'm getting two very different things out of this however I think a lot of the time especially what I find is that if you have like a scene between two uh, two characters and there's a dialogue scene and it's almost lifted straight from the movie you'll just have line 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 with almost no dialogue tags sometimes and I'm just a bit like yeah okay that uh, hmm." like I get it but I'm just you're just really not giving me anything else. Like I'm not feeling anything else. Mm-hmm. So I think if someone is a fantastic writer and can make the reading experience a true reading experience for you, then you can do anything you want, really. But that's probably not what a lot of people are doing. 
I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just, uh, like you said, writing fusions, even writing crossovers is really hard because, like you said, Rogues, you have to take one set of characters, put them in a in a setting that is not their own, and then you have to adapt both the characters and the setting to form something new that is still reminiscent of either of either original work. And that's really the tricky part about fusions, to have recognizable characters, like, let's say, Merlin and Arthur, who still are Merlin and Arthur, but their environment is completely different, and the environment will remind you of the other thing. Like, I think most people who read fusions, if it's not... I mean, okay, maybe not fusions so much. I feel like you can read fusions even if you don't know the other fandom. So people who would read... This Christmas story that I mentioned, which honestly, it's not not one of my better fusions, so I won't be offended if you don't read it. But like, if you were to read that, you wouldn't have had to see the movie The Holiday to understand and to enjoy that fusion, just because it is its own contained story. There's nothing unexplained about the setting or anything. Whereas if it were a crossover, I feel like people who read crossovers probably do so knowing both fandoms. So if I read a crossover where Merlin shows up in Hogwarts, it's because I also know Harry Potter and then I'm looking out specifically for little Easter eggs, little reminders that, yes, this is Hogwarts, this is the Harry Potter universe. I'm expecting to recognize things, but I'm also expecting not to be shown the exact same thing that I already read in the Harry Potter books. Like I, ex- exactly. I expect to recognize things, and I will only read this crossover because I, like me personally, I will only read crossovers where I know both fandoms. I don't read crossovers where I don't know the other fandom because it will make me feel like I'm missing half the plot just because I don't know what's what the other thing is or who the other characters are. You know, so if, yeah. if I were to yeah. watch a I don't know what's a show I don't watch. If I were to watch a Merlin, a modern AU Merlin crossover with The Flash, I wouldn't recognize any of these characters because I don't watch The Flash. Yeah. For example, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't get any of it. You know, a lot of it would be lost on me just because I don't recognize these characters. I don't recognize this plot. Like all I know about The Flash is that his real name is Barry and he runs very fast. <laughs> like <laughs> that's literally all I know and that's all I only because I've seen a couple of Supergirl episodes where he shows up and his name is yeah. Barry and he runs very fast so the, <laughs> that's that's all I know basically yeah fusions are much more accessible that's true yeah fusions are much more accessible so I'm I personally am not even that much of a crossover reader or writer I haven't written a single crossover yeah but I was I, gonna ask you guys that like do you have one like do you have a preference of one because I definitely prefer fusions but I don't yeah. know if you guys yeah, sure yeah me too unpopular opinion Nick go uh, for it. I actually really like crossover specifically with Merlin just because I want him to be appreciated <laughs> you know like you know that like the doctor would love him and i'm just like i want that i need that positivity in my life (laughs) yeah but interestingly i suppose when you're writing a crossover then you're really kind of like throwing caution to to the wind as to whether or not your fic is going to reach 
a lot of people because if everyone is like us and they won't necessarily read a crossover unless they know both fandoms or have at least experienced both fandoms in some sense then the likelihood that you know you're you're kind of limited you're limiting your audience based on whether they've seen Merlin and this other thing so I guess it's kind of you really really have to pick a fandom that is very very well known which i guess explains why most of the crossovers <laughs> tend to be with very big fandoms not just some niche fandom like the one i just mentioned as a person who looks for a lot of niche crossovers and niche things within crossovers i really appreciate the people who are like even if no one reads that this is what i wanted to see because yeah. sometimes there's like one other person that's looking for it and i appreciate yeah. that yeah, definitely. What do you guys think? Um, I mean, that's that completely makes sense. And I kind of know the feeling. I'm going to bring up a completely different example from Chris Overs because I've recently come across a Medici fic that's written completely in Italian. It's 80K written in Italian. And just the feeling of finding something written in my sort of native language because I'm not... It's not really my native language, but it kind of is. And A to K, and so few people appreciating it. But anyway, finding that, it's amazing. So, I mean, um, if I can give the same experience to somebody else, I don't care if my audience is going to be small. If I can, if I get to give that feeling to someone else, even though the audience is going to be contained, let's say then it's worth it you're saying yeah i mean i wouldn't care if i don't get enough kudos or i don't get comments or nobody reads it i mean if there's yeah. just one person who appreciates it it's worth it yeah that's definitely uh i think it's the healthiest attitude to have with any kind of art that's why we should make art is so that like <laughs> even one person can relate to it um yeah um momo i think i think you've got some characteristics i mean we've kind of like already started talking about characteristics of like both of these different yeah. genres i guess you could call them but maybe uh, kind of more specific of each individual one yeah i mean that's just my question if there are any typical characteristics that we can pinpoint and if yes what are they so like my impression for example is that crossovers happen mainly in book-based fandoms and tv shows so like Harry Potter meets Merlin or literally anything meets Doctor Who or also literally anything meets Supernatural. <laughs> Various fusions are often based on movies or maybe single books. Like book-based fandom, I'm thinking like book series. Various like fusions are like movies, like single movies or maybe uh, single books. Yeah, standalone books. Yeah. That's my impression, at least. Because it's easy, like, what I mean by that is that you put something from a book series or a TV show into something very contained, like a movie, a single movie, or a single book. So, like, putting Merlin into a specific rom-com. Whereas, if it's a crossover, you have, you know, a crossover between a book series and a TV series and they cross over into each other, or two TV series like Doctor Who meets Supernatural. We all remember the Super Hulock Potterhead fandom on Tumblr, probably. Yeah. Dark days. 
Yes. So anyway, that is that is my like. I mean, obviously there are. Sh- I'm sure there are exceptions, but that is just what I'm observing most, basically. I think an observation I would have, and I don't know if this used to be the same when like those four fandoms kind of like ruled everything, but I feel like now crossovers and stuff like whether it's fic or art or like fusions or anything it kind of feels like you have your traditional ones that everyone will always go for like a a harry potter au or like that kind of stuff but now like you said about good omens for example it feels as though crossovers happen of, of like what's kind of hot and happening at that moment and then it just passes like i'm sure there were umbrella academy crossovers and like i I don't know, like I wasn't looking for them, but I'm sure that that was happening. I'm sure there are a bunch of good omens, uh, Mirtha inspired things, you know, with the kind of blonde hair and the dark hair thing. Like, I don't know. Again, I haven't gone looking for them. But um, I think that it feels as though whenever there's something new that could vaguely be linked to Merlin, or if it's something that's just kind of like a big hit that everyone's talking about, people tend to now cross it over with their own fandom maybe that's just my impression i don't know if it was always like that but now i feel like i see that a lot like if there's a movie that's really popular like i'm sure there were a bunch of call me by your name inspired um fix and stuff not just for merlin fandom but for other fandoms where there are like a queer couple and stuff i don't know momo you you kind of read more than i do and stuff so maybe you'll be able to tell me if that's true like if kind of the 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 popular stuff that's like a flash in the pan will kind of get like a bunch of fusion stuff and then will be forgotten again i really wouldn't know no no because i just if it's something like a fusion between merlin and umbrella academy for example i wouldn't read it Mm. because like it's just not something that would interest me yeah at all like that's i mean crossover Anyway, like, crossovers don't interest me that much anyway. But, like, fusions, I have a very niche interest for fusions. And I will also admit that I am much more interested in creating fusions than in reading fusions. (laughs) That's fair. So, um, yeah, I'm, I really don't know what the, what trends with, like, bigger fandoms are. Also, I don't, I don't know if Umbrella Academy was that big i mean i would now spark a philosophical discussion about at what point is a fandom a big fandom because i definitely would say the good omens fandom is a big fandom but the good omens fandom also spans 25 years between the book and the tv show and it's now reliving uh, living through a renaissance because of the show but i like what you said momo that you tend to see fusions being more about movies and crossovers being more about kind of like longer things because yeah I think that's definitely true I actually found a fusion um for uh friends I was like I didn't know what I was expecting um and that I think comes from the fact where I was like well what are they going to do with it because friends is 10 seasons long and like you know there are so many different plots like what one are they going to choose to write about which I guess is kind of exciting but also I would feel very scared to write a fusion about something that was that long because like, yeah, what do you do with it? I guess all all you could do is just either take one of the more famous plot lines from the show or just make your own story up, but with the characters 
being in the same situation as the ones from the show. I would be really interested to like find a fusion that was from something old, like, sorry, not old, but like long and kind of really well established and to see what someone would do with that. I have, like, I've seen people writing how to train your dragon fix, some are crossover, some are fusion. I haven't actually gone to read any of them, but that's obviously like a more, I know it's movies, but it's now three movies long and there's a lot of lore there. So I guess that could be quite a cool one to check out but yeah i think it would be much more difficult have you guys read any fusions of of fix that have kind of gone with a like a book series or like a longer tv show or anything like that not really really. no not really i guess your theory is right then momo (laughs) well it just in my mind it just makes sense that that's the way it is because it's much easier to put characters that you know that are really well established like in a in a TV show you know you know these characters you've been with them a, a long time you know who they are you know how to characterize them and put them in a very contained setting you know rather than trying to make them live out a longer plot you know even with the with the example of the friends one you gave it was one plot point from the entire show that they were put into. This is still a very contained story, you know, because that's yeah. much easier than just replacing the entire cast of Friends with the cast of Merlin and then trying to write a longer series of stories. Because that's what you'd have to do. You'd have to either write a massive fic or many, many, many shorter stories, like episodical story writing basically to cover it so it makes sense to me that even when you pick you know a a tv show or a book series as the one to fuse with you would just pick one or two plot points because you need a contained story otherwise you're just writing forever but it's interesting you say that because i think we had this discussion over whatsapp during the week where you were like well like you'd kind of have like if you were doing like a harry potter fic like Harry Potter would kind of have to be a part of it because otherwise, like, I just, like, how, like, how could he not? And then I said, yeah, but I've actually, like, the only Harry Potter reviews I've ever actually read were the ones that it was just kind of like a really, like, like a quick one shot, like something cute or like a getting together thing or like, oh, passing notes in potions class or something, or more specifically, people using the room of requirement for specific purposes and it was just that was it it was two characters sometimes they were in the same house sometimes they weren't in the same house and they just went off and did their thing in the room of requirement and that was the end of the fic and that is still very much in the harry potter universe but harry potter doesn't need to have anything to do with that so i guess it depends on if you're writing something plotty if you're writing something plotty maybe but if you're just writing just like oh, this cute little one-shot or this cute little PWP or whatever, then I suppose you can probably get away with doing a fusion in a fandom that's much bigger. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we're thinking of, like, long, epic, plotty (laughs) things, whereas... uh, Talking about Harry Potter, um, there is a long one in the the Merlin uh, category on EO3. That is Emery's Ascending by Trixterity. Um, but it's it, it's sort of a reincarnation AU with Arthur coming back as a student 
in Hogwarts and I don't remember much about it because I've read it like three years ago or something and maybe there's a Triwizard Tournament in it but it's it's a fusion mainly because I mean it's kind of a crossover but it feels more as a fusion because uh, Harry Potter doesn't appear that much there and there are loads of OCs um, if you're familiar with Mushroom Tales icon on Air 3, um, that's the, the fun art for the fic. And that's one of the plottiest ones I have read. But yeah, mainly they're one shots. Something like another 5,000 uh, words long. So yeah, I was trying to say that mm, you can get away with it, uh, but, um, if you want to do something plotty, um, if you want to find something plot, it's difficult to find for uh, big uh, book series or TV shows that have a lot yeah. of episodes. Would you say, because I just had this thought, would you say that crossovers in general, not uh, uh, not not fusions now, because we've kind of established that fusions, you know, can be written with kind of like smaller things and like you know like a single book or a movie but would you say that crossovers tend to lend themselves to certain fandoms so for example Merlin because it's kind of a fantastical show would maybe lend itself quite well to being um, linked with something like uh, Doctor Who or like Harry Potter I mean I know that every fandom has like a Harry Potter AU like I get that but I'm thinking back to other fandoms that I've read fic for and there's fusions but i don't really think about that many crossovers mainly because those fandoms are just like people in real life doing real life things so the doctor showing up in the middle of just like a high school would just be like it wouldn't really feel like kind of it would feel weird i think so i wonder if maybe merlin has the advantage that because it is a bit wacky to begin with like crossing (laughs) over it kind of feels more natural. I mean, I was about to say before that if the fandoms that are going to cross over have magic in common, it's much more likely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, I don't know, for example, um, it's not really magic, but it has something to it with the demons and all of that. Um, His Dark Materials by Philip Pullman. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some crossovers slash fusions uh, with Merlin but yeah in general if there's something magical in the fandom you're going to cross over Merlin with it's much more likely for it to work yeah definitely yeah I've noticed that because a lot of the times when people write crossovers they're not writing like crossovers on top of like coffee shop at use or anything they're just putting the characters directly into the situation yeah and it's easier to do that with Merlin and because we've established already that the main fandoms that seem to get crossed over with are the big ones for obvious reasons, because they have kind of the most lore and they reach the most people. So you have your Doctor Who's, your Supernaturals, your Sherlock's, your um, uh, Harry Potter's. I'm trying to think of other stuff that's kind of mostly it. Like Good Doctor, omens. Sorry? Good Omens. Yeah, that's quite a new one, though, isn't it? Like, I mean, kind of the old guard in a way. Um, I guess yeah. you don't have a lot of big, long-established fandoms to cross over with that are just normal things. So 
yeah, Friends might be one that you could cross over with like a regular kind of TV show. But again, that probably like I haven't seen a lot of that is what I'm saying. Like I don't see Friends being a a TV show or a fandom that gets crossed over a lot with much of anything. I think people love it, but they don't really think to write thick about it necessarily. Um, So, yeah, it is really the big fantasy ones or the sci-fi kind of ones or the paranormal ones that seem to get that which work much better with a fandom like Merlin or a fandom like Good Omens or a fandom like Harry Potter than uh, just your kind of average high school drama or college drama or whatever I don't know that's just kind of that's my five cents that means absolutely nothing really but (laughs) just throwing it out there (laughs) okay so I mean we've talked about this a tiniest bit before already feel like this discussion should have gone earlier but i sent you guys the question if we made a venn diagram of crossovers fusions and other genres we talked about before on this podcast like canon post-canon modern eu reincarnation and return what would this venn diagram look like and i realize this is difficult to answer in a in an audio format for people who can't see the venn diagram that i made beforehand or like we'll have to describe this venn diagram but like what are your guys's opinions on how these different genres can interact with each other the only way that i can think to phrase it is that certain things can be anything (laughs) and that's really like all i know how to say yeah well that's that's actually really good so if we take for example this uh this christmas fusion that i that i wrote that i talked about earlier that is a modern AU. It is a fusion. It's not reincarnation or return. It's therefore not post-canon either. And it's not canon. But it's definitely two things at the same time. It's a modern AU and it is a fusion. You know, and there are, I'm sure there are stories that can be, apart from maybe canon, could be all kinds of things like they could be post-canon they could be modern au and they could presumably also be reincarnation and return as well as a crossover or fusion like right off the top of my head if you wanted to do a crossover with doctor who it could be all of those things at once exactly it could be it really could be the others aren't going to say anything i'm not getting involved (laughs) smart choice because whenever I talk about Venn diagrams, I just get, like, beat up by ArchD, so I'm just gonna, like, <laughs> leave it. But I like the one you sent to me earlier in the week, Momo, which I feel like there's no point me wasting airtime describing, because I'm sure you'll link it in the show yeah, notes, okay, so... Yeah, I will, I will put... No, I mean, the Venn diagram you sent on Discord is the perfect Venn diagram in my head. It's well built, so I wouldn't add anything to that. Right. So if you link it later on the post, awesome. Yes. All right. I will. I will definitely do that. It is just to warn listeners. It is very complex. <laughs> the word that came into my head was fucktangular. <laughs> that is a great word. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically, you have to imagine a Venn diagram where most of the circles intersect at some point so that everything can be everything at some point just like Hanson said like everything could be all of these things depending on how you write it and that's basically what I realized as I was making this Venn diagram 
Because <laughs> I was like, okay, so this could never be that. No, wait up. Wait. It could be that if we did this. I guess these circles also cross. Fine. Stuff can do two things. Yeah. No, stuff can do, like, five things in this case. There are so many jokes I want to make. Uh, I'm just going to keep them to myself. Poor thing. Living with people and can't make dirty jokes. I know. Okay, so what about crossovers between BBC's Merlin and other Arthurian legend adaptations? Are these technically crossovers or are they remixes? Uh... I mean, you want me to write an essay? I mean, I'm here to record a podcast, not to write a <laughs> Well, do give us a verbal essay. They're a different fandom, though. Like, you you know, I know that they're based on the same thing, but they're a different fandom. You know, it's like... I don't know. I just feel like if you have a fandom like Merlin that's based on something that is already existing, that's still its own separate thing, in my opinion. It depends how similar each adaptation, you know, is to the source material. I think, you know, if you were talking about a crossover between something like Excalibur and the Mists of Avalon, for example, you know, they're kind of, they've got a similar feel, like it's, you know, fairly traditional kind of adaptation. But Merlin is just... It's just so much its own thing that I really find it difficult to to see it as the same as any of these other kind of adaptations. But like, so for example, the only other kind of big adaptation that I could ever really see Merlin working with would be the Sword in the Stone, because it's kind of a little bit wacky and, you know, you've got the shape-shifting properties that Merlin has and he turns into a fish and he turns into a squirrel and he does all this fun stuff um but honestly so uh what the other guys were saying was like we don't know how we might be able to even write something like that and that's where we were trying to figure out like how would you even go about crossing over Merlin with another Merlin like would there be two Merlins or would there be wouldn't that be fun yeah I guess that would be the Somebody's out there writing into the Spider Verse, but with Arthur somewhere, someone's writing it. I'm sure. I I once had an idea for a story that had the working title AU AU because it was going to be Arthur who was stuck in an unhappy relationship, and then he travels because magic. He gets to go to a different universe where he sees how his his other self from this universe basically lives their life. And he gets to live in this other author's shoes for a little while just to see what his life is like. And then basically as he's trying to sort of get back to his own universe, he would like keep ending up in other adaptations so i had this idea like the other universe would just be a different au that i made up but then he would end up in like monty python for a day or then he would end up in you know in sword in the stone or in other arthurian legend adaptations before he finally finds his way back to his original universe where he was in the unhappy relationship and then with all the things he learned he would get to you know change his life if he so pleases so that was that was my idea but that is that's the question is that a fusion or is that a crossover it's probably more of it's kind of both (laughs) 
because he would always I mean, take the, the place. Bit of blurred in that case. Yeah, because he would always take the place of the author of that specific universe, but also he would have to play that role of that author to fit in and not to be discovered as an imposter or whatever, and it burned at the stakes. Yeah, so I think that kind of, whether it's a crossover, whether it's a fusion, like you said, it's based on what characters are going to be in the story. You know, For example, I suppose if... BBC's Merlin characters, um, you know, if it was a fic in which Arthur and Morgana are tricked to sleep together and then Mordred is born and all this kind of stuff, then that would be more of like a Miss of Avalon fusion kind of thing. But that would also mean that it would be less Merthyr centric. So I think if it was like a Merthyr fic, for example, it probably, it okay, because Merthyr is obviously such a big ship and most of the fic written for Merlin is about Merthyr and most fic is shippy anyway. I think having a fusion or a crossover with other Arthurian properties would be quite difficult just because Merlin and Arthur, even though they do interact, they don't really have a huge amount to do with one another in the legends. Like, and obviously they don't have the same kind of relationship. So something like a Mists of Avalon fusion would be much more to do with like Armor. So I suppose maybe they are out there, but maybe they're out there for ships that aren't Merthyr, but that's just my hot take. It depends on what kind of tone you want to give to it, and you have to pick some kind of characterization. Because I mean the one the characters have in BBC's Merlin are going to be different from other Arthurian legend inspired stuff, so it depends on the thing you want to give to it. I would agree with that. And I mean, obviously, if you want to make a ship happen, you can make a ship happen. You just need to figure out how to write that. So you could have this kind of Mist of Avalon crossover thing if you wanted to. With Merthyr, you just need to figure out how to do it. Yeah, that's true. And like how to believably do it. But that's the... That's the crux of basically every crossover and fusion, how to believably do it. Um, I guess, though, like, a question I kind of want to ask them, because, you know, you've kind of already, like, we've kind of started on this already with Momo saying, you know, like, what you might want to write in terms of, like, a fusion. And, like, I guess, are there any fusions, Merlin fusions, that you guys kind of would wish for, that either you wish someone would write or you wish you had, like the time or whatever to write or like the will <laughs> like like is there anything that you'd want to see i mean i'm writing one right now but i'm not going to tell you what because it's still a wip and i don't know if it's going to see the light of day so i just want to keep it to myself until it's finished uh and no one to give away anything else oh, fair but enough, fair enough. i can't come up with anything else right now i'm having a look at my shelves but not really <laughs> Um, I had a couple. If anyone, if anyone minds me sharing, <laughs> yes, be mine terribly. I don't want to hear it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I've always, always wanted a Back to the Future AU. <laughs> I'm not Which surprised. I don't think that, like, that's no surprise to anyone that knows me at all. So this is a little bit of a weird one. So I have an intense love of Disney, and I've always kind of wanted to see a really, like, really well done well put together Beauty and the Beast AU. <laughs> I just feel like it'd be fun. Well, it's funny you should mention that because before my hard drive broke, 
<clears throat> I was working on a Beauty and the Beast AU fan vid for Reverse Big Bang, which I was going to do, and I never got to finish it. So uh, when I eventually do finish it, I'll send it to you, and hopefully you will you will enjoy it. It's based on the idea of a meme I once saw, where um, the the household objects are waiting for the princess to arrive and they're just like oh we're gonna like die soon and we desperately need someone to come in and then the door opens one day and they hear a hello like they do in the movie and then they look down and they realize well in this case in this fandom it uh it would be merlin and they realize oh no it's a boy all our chances are ruined but of course they're not <laughs> <laughs> of course, they are in in this fandom. That means you have hit gold. So yeah, they don't realize that actually he will be the thing that will break Arthur's curse. And yeah, so that's kind of the premise of the video. But when it's finished, if it's ever finished, I will definitely send it to you. So please do that. Interestingly, you mentioned Disney. I don't see enough Disney crossovers, considering how much of an insanely huge IP Disney is. I don't feel like I see enough fusions or crossovers anything of the sort i really i feel like that's a mistake i feel like people don't even consider it because disney doesn't feel like something that like in some people's minds fix should be touching but i feel like fusions with disney work really well like i know a lot of people do little mermaid but not necessarily the disney version you know but yeah little mermaid would be yeah little mermaid would be a really cute one i actually yeah oh that would be so good Little My friends and I talk about it a lot. <laughs> that would be awesome. I, like, obviously, I know Tangled is a very popular shippy movie, so people have done a couple of Tangle they use from what I saw on um on like certain rec sites and stuff. Um, yeah, Tangled is a popular one. I'm trying to think. I think that's pretty much the only one I've really properly seen, which is such a shame because there are really really good couples in disney movies that you could do for shippy fusions like tarzan is awesome and um like the lion king has a really awesome ship and the little like yeah like obviously the little mermaid has a really awesome ship beauty and the beast why aren't people writing more disney fusions you were saying tarzan actually gave me an idea so now i want to write that there you go <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm just here doing the Lord's work, you guys. Like it's fine. I won't actually write any of these. <laughs> I won't write any of these myself, but uh I like I actually love thinking about fusions though. Like I often just make notes about like what characters I'd fuse with like movies that I love and I kind of I'll write like a mini like not even a synopsis but a pitch, like a pitch idea and and that's kind of all I'm good at. I'm good at pitching. I'm not necessarily good at the execution. I have created yeah. entire universes with Merlin characters based on every piece of media I watch all the time. And I just never write it down. But I have like this whole long running like Star Trek fusion in my head that I've just never written down anywhere. You know, like yeah. it's just in there. <laughs> just need someone else to do it. So I have a a list of AUs I'll never write and in the case of Merlin this is now really true because I won't write them anymore but there's like 22 Merlin story ideas in this in this document and almost half of them are fusions so you know <laughs> so yeah I definitely have a uh, princess for Christmas AU in this because it just would be perfect okay god um, I have two separate love actually AUs in this because I can never agree on whether I want 
Merlin and Arthur just to be one specific couple from the movie, or if I want to write a series of fics in which they are every couple in the movie. That is, that is one I have a... Well, this is sort of a fusion one. It's a sissy AU, which is based on the sissy movies about uh, the Empress Elizabeth of Austria. But they are, like, her life was made into very kitschy movies with Homie Schneider. And my, my fic ideas are basically based on these movies that are based on the real life of the Empress. <laughs> I have a Princess Diaries AU in this one, in which Arthur is Mia and Merlin is Lily. And then, of course, they get together like they should have. <laughs> I have a Lost Civilization AU that is loosely based on either Atlantis or Castle in the Sky. Um, I have a Midsummer Night's Dream AU, in which Merlin is Titania and Arthur is Oberon. And what else? Um... Are there any fandoms or types of movies or books that are more prone to being used for crossovers and or fusions? I think we talked about this a little bit already, where like if the fandom or the other source material has magic in it, then it's probably more likely to be crossed over or fused with Merlin, because magic. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like not just magic, but fantastical elements like, you know, Doctor Who, for example, I suppose, or maybe even Supernatural with the demons and stuff. Yeah. Magic, sci-fi, paranormal, it's all kind of, yeah, in the in the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. I think one other thing is, I mean, I'm definitely guilty of this, is like rom-coms, obviously, you know, because that's just built-in getting-together plot <laughs> right there for the taking. <laughs> and one other thing I think is probably true is things where, like, the actors of Merlin, or even the cameos of Merlin, have shown up in other productions, yeah. I was so, about to say the same thing, yeah. Yeah. So Doctor Who crossovers don't just exist because the Doctor can travel in space and time. They also exist because Colin was in an episode and because Anthony was in an episode and pretty much everyone was in an episode. Richard was in an episode. Angel. Well, Angel. I mean, Angel's role was like blink and miss, but yeah. still, she was on Doctor Who and... You know, so I think that's and Eve Miles, you know, she yeah. she was in Doctor Who. So you definitely have those parts that that cross over. Haha, <laughs> crossover. And that's probably the reason why there are Doctor Who crossover like part of the reason why there are Doctor Who crossovers. Also Merlin being immortal as like works with Doctor Who elements, you know. So but yeah, I think that's a big factor, like people showing up in the same, or in different productions, but all of them also showing up in Merlin. Are there any other, like, things that you can think of that are, like, typical for crossovers? Or, like, you know, that, that Merlin gravitates to, to be crossover I, with? I'm thinking, like, I, I mean, I, I don't know if this kind of fits in with the fantasy, it's kind of like a subgenre, but, like, those kind of family films... So, like, the Princess Brides and the Stardusts and the Ella Enchanteds, I feel like that kind of is quite prone for Merlin because, of course, Merlin has a similar... Like, it's got that kind of, like, Princess Bride, like, feel to it, especially in the first season, that kind of family-friendly action-adventure thing about mm -hmm. it. Um, so I think that definitely fits. And, I, and like I said, I've, like, 
I haven't read them, but even when I've been searching through like lists of AUs to look at, I've seen like The Princess Bride. I've seen, uh, like you said, uh, Monty Python. I've seen Ella Enchanted. I've seen all of those kind of family films. Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. I haven't seen a lot of, surprisingly, is um, Game of Thrones considering how similar those fandoms ended up being in like yeah but that i mean that's a huge beast to tackle it's a long tv show and it's an incomplete book series and yeah i imagine it would be difficult yeah game of thrones also has a very different tone from marlin yeah yeah that's true i mean they're both medieval fantasy shows with dragon and magic and power struggles, I suppose, but that's really the only the only similarities. The rest is just Game of Thrones has a lot more adult themes than Merlin because Merlin is a family show and Game of Thrones is not. <laughs> so I even though they have actors in common like Charles Dance and Tom Hopper and other people, Joe Dempsey, it's. You know, it's very different in tone. You know what surprises me, though? There's not a lot of Lord of the Rings stuff, and I feel like that would be something, too, that's kind of an obvious choice. Hmm. That's interesting. Explain more, please. Because, you know, they've got, you know, the magic and the dragons, and I feel like it'd be interesting, because Merlin dealt with some of the more famous mythical creatures of the time, but, like... Were there hobbits? Who knows? And I wish that, like, that would be an interesting thing to delve into, I think. That's very interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I personally think that Merlin and the Arthurian legends are based on a different kind of lore than Lord of the Rings. So I'm not entirely sure how it would work. But I'm, but I'm equally sure that people could make it work. Somehow. And even if it's just like, parallel dimension and we sort of get transported there kind of shenanigans yeah because magic <laughs> also i just think it'd be interesting to put aragorn and arthur in the same room <laughs> Ooh, now that would be interesting it would be hilarious <laughs> and final thing i'm going to say about it yeah. merlin as an elf maybe thoughts <laughs> i mean i yeah <laughs> like literally i can't think of anything i'd rather see more so i just feel like there's some room for fusions or crossovers or anything you wanted to do with it really with that i'm universe. trying to remember who that artist is who keeps drawing author or bradley however you want to look at it as elf king i forgot what the artist's name is but there are like drawings of of author or bradley as a long-haired blonde elf king i was just gonna say fusions that we definitely are not seeing enough of and this is just my personal bias with no other rhyme or reason behind it is i need more 80s movies fusions please (laughs) i need my top guns i need my lethal weapons i need my diehards i need my never-ending stories i need my labyrinths i need them all please (laughs) romancing the stone that would be a sick Merlin AU. I would love that movie to be fused with Merlin. But um, yeah, I just, I love 80s films and we're in an 80s resurgence in the last few years and I feel like fandom needs to get on that. <laughs> they need to get on it, please. So yes, that would be awesome. I would love that. 
this is a completely different genre, but it's an AU that I just thought of that I think should exist. Yeah. Um, the Good Place with Arthur as Eleanor and Merlin as Chidi. <laughs> be awesome. Ah, all the possibilities. Yeah, there are loads. There are loads that you could do. And in fact, it's sometimes like it can get a bit frustrating that you see like so many fusions and, and crossovers in these kind of repeating fandoms when, yeah, like I would love there to be just like an AU for this movie that you never thought that there would be one. And that kind of like refers back to the discussion we had earlier, which is like, well, yeah, but, you know, it, like it would maybe not reach like such a wide audience. But yeah, fusions, when they're done well, they're just they're just a blast i i actually love them i have i've read some incredible ones in other fandoms um that are some of my favorite fics and i'm just when they're done properly i am eternally impressed because it's not easy yeah earlier when you asked what kind of fusions we wanted to see and even now when we were talking about you know what inspires us it's like I had a, a period of time when I was really in my high phase of shipping Martha that basically anything I watched I would turn into a Martha AU in my head at the very least. Like, you know, recasting the movie or the show or whatever with the Merlin characters and think about how it could go. Most of them didn't make it into a story that I wrote and the rest didn't all make it into the AU and to the list of AUs I'll never write, but there was a time when I definitely, you know, recast everything I saw with Merlin and Arthur because I could just picture it all. I I could always see them in in all of the characters. You know. Yeah, this show has definitely ruined my ability to watch anything normally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm back to it now. I'm I'm okay now. I've stopped doing it, but. Yeah, like I said, there was a time when, like, everything turned into a Merthyr AU for a while there. So, and I mean, just looking at my AU3 page, I have, like, six fusions on there. Oh my god, I don't know about myself, because I tend to compartmentalize things quite easily, so I it comes quite difficult to me to see other ships in other situations. Um, that's why I can't think of fusions right now, because if I come across one, yeah, it works, but I can't really think and build something from something I've seen and say, oh yeah, there, there could be some kind of murder in there. But otherwise, yeah, it, it comes across as a difficult thing for me. Interesting. Mm. So, yeah, I think probably wraps up the discussion part to wrap it up i want to give a shout out to two communities on life journal one of them is real merlin a challenge specifically about crossovers and fusions between merlin and other tv or movie based fandoms it's not currently running and i hope someone else will pick it up again just because it's a fun challenge and the other one is merlin fusions which is a live journal community for wrecks of fusions or crossover fan works. So you should definitely check that out for some more ideas of fix to read. So then let's have some stats. These are most likely highly inaccurate because, you know, aforementioned tagging problems. But crossovers and fusions is the meta tag 
which basically means it's the catch-all tag, like anything that you will ever tag as crossover or fusion or any variation thereupon will be put in the crossovers and fusions tag. So if you look at that, you will get all the crossovers and all the fusions mixed together. And there are a little over a thousand works in the Merlin fandom that are tagged with that. And 734 of those are crossovers and nearly 550 of those are fusions. And yes, if you add them up, it doesn't actually come out to the amount of fics tagged with crossovers and fusions. And no, I don't know why. But on AO3, when it's a crossover... Okay, this is what, as far as I understand, you should be doing when tagging your work. I don't know if this is what people are actually doing or if AO3 endorses it this way, but this is how I understand it should be done. When it's a crossover, you add the second fandom in the fandom portion of the story, where, you know, you, normally you just put Merlin TV, but then if it's a crossover with, like, Harry Potter, then you also put Harry Potter in the fandom tag, so that it's basically tagged with two fandoms. And when it's a fusion, then you can sometimes specify a second fandom through the additional tags. For example, Pacific Rim fusion, or Pokemon fusion, or Star Wars fusion, I assume. But you wouldn't necessarily put the second fandom in the fandom tags. Because it's not really a story about that fandom. It's a story about Merlin that happens to be set in that fandom. And in theory, you can specifically filter for crossovers and non-crossovers on AO3 these days. And according to AO3, a crossover is a story with two unrelated fandom tags, like, for example, Merlin and Harry Potter. But I'm not sure this really works. And it's also, you know, people will have to tag it correctly. And then there's also, like, tag wrangling happening in the background. So I really wouldn't rely on this option too much. It's probably better to go by the meta tag that will catch most of them anyway. Or go by the different tags, crossovers and fusions. But not the crossovers and fusions meta tag. If that makes sense. So, question. What are the top five crossover fandoms? Like, what fandoms is Merlin crossed with the most, do you guys think? I'm just going to brainstorm this thing because I have no idea. Um, Supernatural, maybe? It's in. Definitely uh, in there, yes. Marvel? It's sort of, yeah, it's actually the Avengers, but I will count Marvel. Uh, oh my These God. are places three to five, by the way. Yeah, I know. I can't come up with anything else. Uh, uh, I don't know. Can I just pass the hot potato? <laughs> sure. Hanson, what do you think? When I go through the crossover tag, I see a lot of Stargate stuff. I don't read it, but I see a lot of it. Is that up there? No, it's not in top five. That's interesting, though. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't know. Well, Harry Potter is at the top. Can't oh believe I don't. That should surprise me. <laughs> I just. I'm very surprised no one said that. I mean, obviously, Rox wasn't gonna say it because she's looking at the script, but yeah. 
And I was sitting here like, really? (laughs) (laughs) And the second one that I I, like, I'm not in the script right now, but I'm surprised no one said it either. But go ahead, Momo. Second one is Sherlock. Oh my god, I didn't (laughs) actually wrote that much of it though. I've seen it, but I didn't think it was like like super popular. I just think. Like, for me personally, it is very hilarious that people just forget that Sherlock existed. <laughs> I was surprised it wasn't Doctor Who. Well, Doctor Who is in there, but it's in fourth place. Mm. But you'd think it'd be more popular than Sherlock just because of the fantastical elements, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, you underestimate just how extremely popular Sherlock was when it was popular. Yeah, it was... I mean, but how does Sherlock mix with Merlin? Oh, I've seen a few things of Sherlock that I've read, like yeah. Holmes Brothers things. Yeah, usually Merlin is one of the Holmes Brothers because he looks so similar to Sherlock. So, yeah. sh- shall we have some wrecks then? Yeah, let's have some wrecks. Who wants to go first? Uh, I mean, there is a fusion that I read a little while ago. I haven't seen the source material that they used for it, and I... Literally have no memory of who wrote it. I just know that it's called Love Merlin, and it's good. Oh, that'll be for Love, uh, Love Rosie. Yeah. Or I've Love Simon. It. I've seen it. I've seen it around, but I haven't read it. I know it exists. I liked so. it a lot. I thought it was fun. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll ju- uh, d- uh, I'll just do the two that I've got. Very, which is a uh, which is annoying. I like. I uh, I hoped I'd have more. One is two weeks' notice. I won't spend much time on it because I'm sure plenty of people already know about this fic. It's fantastic. It does everything that I explained that I like in a fusion, and it has the callbacks to canon, and it has the callbacks to the movie, and the characters feel authentic, and it's just great. Um, and then the second one that I actually tried to find a, a fresh fic f- uh, for this episode, I found a really short one because I don't, I didn't have time to read like long, long, long fics, but I found a short one uh, which was a Stucky inspired, like a Stucky fusion, like where Merlin and Arthur are Stephen Bucky, uh, called The End of the Line, and it was, it's basically about um, like the discovery of the Winter Soldier and who he is, and it kind of messed with my brain a little bit because. As it should be, of course, Arthur is Bucky because he's the dead one, quote unquote, and Merlin is uh, Steve. But because of the blonde hair thing, it just it just <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> Arthur can't be Bucky. Bucky is dark and Steve is blonde. <laughs> this can't this can't be happening. So it kind of messed with my brain a bit and I didn't like it for a very long time just in my head. But um, once I got over it, I kind of could follow. And it is uh, only three, thousand, uh, three and a half thousand words long, roughly. Uh, but I really, really liked the writing style. Like it felt very kind of mysterious and it starts off like with Arthur and Avalon and everything. And I really, really liked that. And yeah, it was like kind of the the evil people are like the evil priestesses of Avalon that try to use Arthur for their own advantage, like Nimue, Morgos, Morgana. Like, so I, I quite like that. But yeah, it's just a it's just a short one, and I like it because yeah, it kind of it's a good crossover because it fits with the Merlin law as well as using the MCU law. So you know, Arthur presumably you know dead is brought back to life and used for you know, other people's gain. Merlin, who's kind of thought he was dead, is waiting for him and then discovers who he is. So, yeah, I like that one. It's called The End of the Line. Nice. Yeah. Marky, what about you? So, I have the usual really long uh, reckless, so I'm going just to mention 
some of them and then send back to you the, the word document. Um, uh, one of my favorites that is inspired by, it's um, The Man from Uncle Fusion. It's one of my favorite films ever. And I love I that movie. It, <laughs> I'm so excited to read this now. It's by Retrude and it's called The Spire Came from the Cold. Um, the Russian agent is Merlin. Uh, Napoleon Solo, I don't remember exactly now, was he of the CIA? It was American, right? Yeah, he's uh, Okay, so in this one, uh, Napoleon Solo is um, portrayed by Arthur, and Arthur is obviously not from the CIA, but it's, he is a, a British uh, agent, and uh, Gaby is Mythian in this one. So you've got the whole six days um, uh, setting with the Cold War raging. And if you know about the film, um, it, it has the same flavor, but it's not really the same thing. And of course, um, if you shipped Ilya and Napoleon, the two are going to be together in this one. So oh, it's Merlin Ilya, yeah. Um, another one. I, have, uh, I haven't read The Song of Achilles yet but it's on my TBR, uh, and I think I kind of spoiled myself the book, even though it's not really spoilerish because we know how Achilles and Patroclus are going to end up, but it's um, it's more of a proper crossover than a fusion because the events in this fic take place after the events of uh, The Song of Achilles, and it's called Honestly Yours, A New Mine, and it's by Luna Park. Uh, the summary is, Arthur is a soldier, Merlin is a physician's apprentice, life is never easy, though Merlin wishes it was. And in this one, uh, it's um, it's told by, from Merlin's POV, and it reflects on the events that happened to Achilles and Patroclus, and is kind of afraid that the same thing would happen to Arthur, uh, as it tends to him because he's been um, uh, wounded by a poisonous blade. And that's some good coffee, as um, Roxanne would say. <laughs> uh, I'm so happy. Ma Marky, are... you can actually say the word. <laughs> no, I know, but yeah. Then I have um, Rose uh, or Brawling Scape on Tumblr, Camelot 999 AU, which is obviously based on Brooklyn 999. And it, is, um, it was recently remixed for Camelot Remix. And um, the remix name is Data Flues, the cool, 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 cool remix. So I have to premise that I have never watched Brooklyn 999, but I kind of know what it talks about. And even though uh, the author is obviously anonymous because the reveal hasn't been revealed um, yet, um, it's a dear friend of mine. And I love how it's written. It's it's sort of it's sort of a mix between the script format and prose. Um, there's loads of slang, and um, I, I love when people are able, who are not native speakers, are able to use the slang properly. I just like how it's written. Uh, it's really good. It's short. It's just something over like five thousand words long, but it's really good, and it's based on. I'm, I'm sure you've seen it around on Tumblr, that video that Bronis Keep made with um, the various, from various projects. It's it's basically the opening of Brooklyn Nine-Nine redone with the Merlin characters in other 
another project so that it's like a modern AU of them. And it's it's a really good fan video. It's a couple of like half a minute, I think, however long the Brooklyn Nine-Nine opening is. It's really good. So another one that I really adore because it's one of the first fics that I have come across in this fandom, and I think it's a fandom classic, but I'm not sure, is Pianos Are Made For Fallen by Fish Rides. And it's a fusion with uh, a manga that, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, because there's a Japanese word, uh, Nodame Cantabile. And the reason why I love this is because um, Malin in this fic is um, affected by uh, cystic fibrosis, and there is some family history for that. Um, and I've never seen it portrayed in uh, um, any kind of media unless you can think about it in medical terms. And seeing uh, a character going through that, um, it was, you know, it opened my eyes, let's say. And it has a sort of lyrical quality to it because there are a lot of musical metaphors. And it's like the characters view life um, through a sort of synesthesia because um, what they see, what they touch, they um, associate with uh, musical uh, qualities. And uh, in this, they're both musicians in this one. Arthur is a, a violinist and Merlin is a pianist. And I'm just going to tell you that you need some tissues for this because it's going to make you cry. It's quite long, but it's so, so worth it. It's really one of the best written things I've ever read. And, and another mention, because I finally got around to listen to some Podfix. It's one of my 2019 goals. And it, <laughs> I've read it first, and then I wanted to reread it. But then I found that there was a Podfix, so I just listened to it. And it's a Good Omens fusion with the food notes and everything. And it's called More Grace Than Heaven Ever Dreamed Of by Will Ligicht. And it was Podfix by Brevin Closel. And I really like the thing they did for uh, the footnotes because there's um, static noise in the background and the voice uh, that um, reads the footnotes is slightly muffled. I really like that thing because, you know, the footnotes are one of the most uh, characteristic um, things of uh, Good Omens and I just love that they were included like that. And in this one, Arthur is the angel and Merlin is the demon, but the not a zero fault and Crowley that Arthur and Merlin and it's one of the things that I love about this because it's quite easy to um, get rid of Arthur and Merlin's uh, characterization in many fusions and when that does not happen I'm just amazed by it. I have some more regs but the list is long so go ahead. Okay yeah you'll send us this list and we'll just include the other regs in the in the post as well. Okay, I also have a bit of a long list, so just to keep with the tradition of recommending Brolin's Keep, there are two more things I want to wreck. One of one is a Thor fusion, which is uh, Brolin's Keep doing fan art of uh, Thor Ragnarok, the movie, but substituting Thor with Arthur and Loki with Merlin. And I think Gwen is uh, Valkyrie. And then Morgana is, I think, the evil sister. I forgot what her name is. So yeah, you have those that, that are some manips you can look at on AO3. 
Rue made them for real Merlin. And Rue also made a Mad Max crossover for a crossover for real Merlin one year. And it's a crossover because it is set after the Mad Max Fury Road movie and the characters from the Fury Road movie are referenced in that um in that post. It's art as well as a story idea put together in one post. So that is by Brolinski. I have one Harry Potter crossover that I want to wreck. It is Meeting the Minister by Magog83 and it was potficked by Lunchy. And in this, Merlin is the Minister of Magic and Arthur is the Prime Minister. And as is customary, when the Prime Minister is initiated into his position, he meets the Minister of Magic and they talk. And in this case, they probably end up doing a little bit more than just talking. And then there are a bunch of Doctor Who crossovers I want to mention. There is one called Donna Noble, King of Camelot, in which Donna Noble ends up as the King of Camelot. It's a, it's a crack fic, but it's very fun. It was written by Netgirl Y2K and Potvik by Lunchy. Then there's Once in Future, written by Mad Maudlin, also Potvik by Lunchy. It is a Torchwood crossover, and it takes place like Merlin is immortal in this one and it takes place in a time period when Jack is buried underground like Jack Harkness is buried underground and so Merlin keeps him company sometimes because Merlin has magic and he can talk to Jack who is buried underground and then there is a fan art a very recent fan art by Lao Pendragon it's called My Friend the Doctor and it's a fan comic about the Doctor it is, in this case, the 10th Doctor <laughs> coming to visit Merlin frequently while Merlin is waiting around the Lake of Avalon. And then one day Merlin is like, hey, there's just one thing I would like to see in history. Could you maybe take me? And so he asks the Doctor to take him back to Camelot just so he could get a, a glimpse of Arthur when he was still alive. So it's very sad. You're welcome. Any complaints, please direct them to Lao Pendragon and not at me. And then I have some other crossovers. There is a cross, uh, a fic called Lady Catherine Comes to Camelot, also by Magog83. This is a Pride and Prejudice crossover. It's also hilarious. It's I think the idea is that Lady Catherine tries to put the fear of God into Merlin because he's trying to marry Arthur. So it's very funny. Also Potvik by Lanchi. And there is a Star Wars fusion fan art by Whimsy Catcher, which is a couple of years old, but it's basically uh Luke and Han as Merlin and Arthur. Like Merlin is Luke, I think, and Arthur is Han Solo. And if you guys don't mind, I would like to self write three of my own works that I actually really like that I created, which are all fusions. One is Used by Bright, which is a You've Got Mail fusion, except that they didn't meet in an AOL chat room. They met on Grinder, And they're still rival booksellers. Then there is A Princess Tale, which is a fairy tale fusion based on a fairy tale I don't know what the international title is. In German it's called Allerlei Rau. 
It's about a princess who has become so beautiful that her father tries to marry her and then she flees the kingdom and she has three magic dresses. And in this one, in my version, Arthur has become so handsome and looks so much like his mother that his father tries to marry him and Arthur flees with three beautiful cloaks. And the third one is Common Law, which is a legally blonde fusion in which Arthur is Elwood's, except that he studied sports science and not fashion major. All right. These are all of my recs. Phew. <laughs> yes. A lot of them. There are a lot of fusions and crossovers out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I would have wrecked the Ella Enchanted one, but I haven't finished it. So I did like, but from what I read, I really enjoyed it. So hopefully um, I can, I can finish it. And yeah, maybe, maybe I'll wreck it in a future episode. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? Okay. And that brings us nearly to the end which means that it is time to tell you guys that our theme music was composed by Sidesteppings. Any additional music in this episode can be found on freesound.org. The manip for our cover is also by Brolinski, just like many of the many manips we recommended today. The actual cover was made by me. I am Momotastic27 on Tumblr for all kinds of reblogs and just Momotastic on AO3 for fix. And I'm Miss Snowfox on Tumblr with an extra X uh, and on Instagram just as it comes. And if you want to go follow me on my Miss Snowfox Instagram, uh, you can check out my trip to Pierfond that I took uh, this coming Friday. But for you guys, it will be in the past. So what a crossover that is. And it will be saved as a highlight uh, with some applicable name that you can find it easily. That is not too many characters. So, um, yeah, <laughs> if you want to go check out what we what we did and the cosplaying and the castle and the 30 degree scorching heat, <laughs> then go and check out that highlight. Uh, this is coming to you in the past, in the future for me. I love this kind of stuff. <laughs> <But yeah. laughs> you will have been to Pierrefond. <laughs> <laughs> I will have been to Pierrefond. You will have been to Pierrefond. Amazing. Thank you guys for chiming in for this episode of Melissa. We will be back in two weeks for an episode about Morgana, the ship, again with two guests. Not these two guests, but also two guests. And until then, I am Momotastic. And I'm Miss Snowfox. And our guests were Marky. Hi. And Hanson. Hi. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.